events, Mr. V, can you please help me, my friend, Mr. V, I just got one question. You're listening to Thank God It's Feeny, a Boy Meets World podcast. TGI Feeny is not recorded in front of a live studio audience. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Welcome to Thank God It's Feeny. A Boy Meets World rewatch podcast where me, Andrew, and my friend Thomas are broadcasting live, as always, from the water wars. It's it's a, it's been crazy. I mean, both sides are claiming victory, but we'll get into that later. Uh, Thomas, we're here today to talk about Boy Meets World, and more specifically, we're talking season one, episode two, and and that that. The name of that episode is on the fence, Thomas. Why don't you tell us what this episode's all about? Uh, Mr. Corey Matthews, he wants to buy a brand new water gun that's definitely not a super soaker. And uh, he's got to make some money to do it. So he ends up learning a little bit about earning an honest wage. So, Thomas, we're, we're going to break it down scene by scene. That's what we do here on this show. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. And I know we... We tend to give our synopsis at the end. We, we break it down and just kind of give our overall thoughts. I'm going to up front. I'm going to up front give a thought about this one. This might be my least favorite episode of Boy Meets World out of, out of, all, of the, all of the plethora of episodes we have to come. The least favorite? <laughs> Wait, you did, like we didn't plan, you didn't tell me this beforehand. Were you trying to drop a bomb? Whenever you started talking, I thought you were going to say, oh, this is my favorite episode of season one or something like that. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Well, season one is my least favorite season and, and that's to be expected. They're okay. fine and they're they're fine in their rhythm and everything. And I think this is the, I think this is the low point for me. Now we'll get into it. We'll get into my reasons. It's not the heartfelt message. I'm always here for the heartfelt message, <laughs> but at the end we'll, we'll wrap it up and I'll explain why. But so the, the episode starts off with uh, the way, the way we're, we're going to see a lot of episodes start off with Corey, nameless Sean and third chair are having a discussion. So at this point, third chair, I don't know his name. Do you know his name? Yeah, it's a Dejuan guy. Dejuan guy. His name on the show is Ellis. Is Ellis. it though? Is it Ellis if nobody ever says it's Ellis? <laughs> so, so to that same regard, right? Sean is not Sean for another couple episodes. He's just correct. He's second chair. And yes, yes, indeed. And the thing about Ellis is uh we, we pointed this out in episode one a very rare person of color on boy meets world yeah he followed and, up miss king miss kincaid had a really good line in the first in the pilot if you haven't listened i mean why are you listening to these out of order that's silly but he ellis does way. not have any he has close to a good line but not as good as uh kincaid had with um killing uh killing it, which ellis, we think which we know happened but yeah i think ellis is definitely a step up over third chair in episode one yes but He's not the Topanga that we come to know and love. But anyway, so Corey, Nameless Sean, and Ellis, I guess, are having a discussion about, so if you could have any superhero as your dad, who would you want it to be? And Ellis and Sean seem to uh, settle on Batman because all the, the cool perks that come with living with Batman, you could borrow the Batmobile. And uh, Corey, Corey's all about Superman. He wants Superman to be his dad. Sean says, but he can see through walls. You'll never get away with anything. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really valid point. Uh, so here's, <laughs> before I go on, I hate the scene entirely, start to finish. Okay. So here's the first gripe I have. And, and this is, you can't look, see I it, but I'm in shock as you say this. <laughs> I know this is season one. This is still kids' show era, and it's silly to get into. I, there's certain thing, tropes that I hate in television. Uh, and anytime we're getting into just real trope-heavy television, it annoys me. And Boy Meets World, early seasons, I, we're going to have those tropes. I was actually, I was watching some clips from later Boy Meets World today, just having a laugh. And I, I was thinking, man, it's crazy how much better the writing in this show gets, like in the later seasons. But regardless, the first trope, we see this in episode one, it comes back in episode two. It's this thing I hate that Boy Meets World does in the early seasons of 
three people having a conversation, but none of them listening to each other. So they all just keep having their own conversation and saying their own thing without responding to anything the other person's saying. So like Sean's talking about, uh, he, he has Robin, his, his boy Ward, that can just have any of his stuff. And then Corey starts talking about uh, Superman. And then Ellis is like, I'd be a great Ward. And then Sean talks about Ellis something. Ellis replies, that- though, because if anything, Corey's the one who's aloof. But Ellis is right there. These are the two nameless chairs. They got to stay together. <laughs> they're, they're all in their own conversations. I hate it. Anyway, <laughs> this scene introduces us to Minkus. Minkus. And- who and got a Minkus. credit on the first episode just for being in the opening credits. But yes, indeed. But we get to actually meet Minkus. Now, Minkus, I love. I love me some Minkus. And you see this right off the rip. Uh, so Sean pulls out this giant super, super soaker, not super soaker, water gun, squirts Minkus with it. Minkus says, ow. And then eventually Ellis is about to squirt Minkus as well. And this, this is a Minkus trait that I love about the, the nerdy character on a show. Minkus takes no crap all right so minkus goes and gets he says i wouldn't do that and uh i think it was sean says why are you gonna melt and minkus gets this giant like trombone case opens it up pulls out an even bigger water gun where these children are getting these water guns i don't know i thought this was a mob hit it looked like a mob hit because he pulls (laughs) out the big i think it's a tuba case he pulls it out puts it on the counter it looks like he could open it up and pull out a bobby gun like that (laughs) like man minkus all of a sudden turns into a 40s mobster it was intense so i I guess i jumped the gun a little bit the boys are comparing water guns and who has the better water gun and uh at this point in the show not only does sean not have a name he doesn't really have a character yet so we haven't established that sean's poor so apparently where Corey can only afford a water balloon, Sean can afford this giant water gun at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think his family falls on hard times here in a couple episodes and everything changes, but we don't, we don't know that story. So anyway, they, they all have these giant guns. And this <laughs> a little weird continuity as Sean says, hey, you know, be careful with that. If Feeney sees it, he's going to take and the water wars are off. So we're setting up that water wars are coming, right? But so then Corey's talking about, hey, man, you know, who needs a water gun? Before you get that far, we didn't talk about this line that I wrote down and it's (laughs) really cringy from Minkus. (laughs) He pulls out the mob movie uh, instrument case. It's just a water gun. No blood is shed in the John Adams, I guess, at this point, elementary school, um, sixth grade cafeteria. He pulls out the, the biggest water gun. And he says, go ahead, make me wet. And I really don't, maybe because I'm wa- like watching it as a kid. That's funny. That's funny. Watching it as an adult, a little cringy hearing a sixth grade boy saying, go ahead and make me wet. So I just, hey. I didn't like that lot. Anyway, I didn't know if you, I, I got you chuckled when I, when I interrupted you. So I think you knew where I was going, but well, I, I, I didn't I like chuckled. that. I chuckled when you interrupted me because uh, we discussed a little pre-show that you you were much better about your note taking this episode, uh, and I wasn't. So <laughs> I chuckled because it's a it's a reverse of episode one where I just kept pushing my glasses up and saying, "Well, actually, mm, sir, <laughs> may please go back five seconds, five point six on the tele." Yes, yeah, you 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 missed a funny chuckle, but uh, so. So Corey's talking about, hey, you know, this this water balloon is, is just as good as uh, any water gun, if you ask me. So he starts filling it up, and I can't tell you how much I hate this scene. Turns around, and apparently every kid in the lunchroom has a giant water gun with them, all pointed at Corey. And uh, Corey does have a, a funny, how you doing, line when he sees everybody. So they all obliterate Corey. So Sean is so worried about Feeney seeing his one water gun. And yet every child is somehow concealing a massive water gun. They all just murder Corey, who's sitting there soaked as Feeney walks in the lunchroom. Everybody stuffs it away, walks up to the, uh, the water fountain to see Corey just drenched and says, Mr. Matthews, the water fountain's not a toy. And uh, what fun shenanigans to get us kicked off. I... Look, I, I'm not going to harp too much on a kid's show, but this scene is just 
it's cringy. I didn't enjoy it very much. I feel like you're having a bad day, so I'm going to give it to you. Because this, <laughs> this seems like a, uh, before we move on to the next scene, he goes up and he says, "Mr. Matthews, you know, Mr. Matthews, the 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 water fountain's not a toy, or something along those lines." Then, Mr. Feeney, I talked about this last episode. Just the, the total, I know what I know where you're going, the man. Swagger and the total, just like I don't even know a new enough uh, slang phrase to describe how on point Feeney is because he takes a drink of water doesn't mess it up of course they're edits maybe you know he, this is the one good take he had but then he uses his finger and just like flicks Wipes it, it off the end yeah. of his mustache and I'm nobody's like ever damn Feeney you nope. are <laughs> right on nobody's ever looked cooler drinking out of a water fountain in mm-hmm. history than Mr. Feeney so yeah. okay now that out of the way that is the scene I hated the most so nothing, nothing coming up from here is nearly this negative. And there are many parts of this episode I enjoy. So, like, I, I love me some pizza, Thomas. I love it. That's partially why, you know, I'm, I'm not as slim as I once was. Pizza's my favorite thing in the world, basically. Uh, there's no bad pizza, right? There's, there's good pizza. There's great pizza. There's phenomenal pizza. That's Boy Meets World. There's no bad episode it's just an okay slice of pizza this one for me okay that's fair um I'll, I'll give that to you although i think this was a good piece of pizza and it might just be because <laughs> i don't have as distinguished of tastes as you do uh, andrew but <laughs> i'm a fine diner <laughs> that's, that's all so, that anywho, down to. you're much classier than i am um so speaking of class speaking of class we enter the matthews home again all, nobody left from the pilot. If you happen to not be watching the show or don't know what the show's about, everyone's still there from the pilot. You got Alan and Amy. Uh, you got Eric. You got Morgan. The whole the whole shebang is there. Everyone's there. Uh, Corey comes in and he wants that water gun because that well-placed water balloon, we've already seen. Uh, you say it's the worst scene in the episode. It sets up his motivation for why he needs a water gun. He needs to get everybody back. He was just obliterated in the middle of the cafeteria and he's not going to take it standing down so he has no money he's an 11 year old which he lets us know again in this scene that he's 11 we get it i think he said it maybe 11 times in the first episode so he's he's 11 year old boy can i interrupt you for just a second i I just want to point out we're two episodes and actually at this point we're one episode and one scene in and we have seen attempted murder and we have seen a (laughs) gang hit at John Adams, you know, it's a some dangerous always. You got to read between the lines. You got to read between the lines on the show. It's not all it's uh, all it's on the surface. And we but established I, the fan theory last episode. He's dead and she's yeah, on the gone. run. He's gone completely. What's not gone <laughs> is Corey. This is the first of many thing, times that we will see throughout the seven seasons of the show. He is doing all that he can to win favor over his parents more in the kid years because again he has no means he has no way of doing it himself so he needs to get money he needs to get 50 bucks to get this water gun he goes up to to amy well alan's there he's running around because he's busy as all heck he's doing everything he works all day he comes home when he comes home he's fixing the toilet he's fixing this that and the other which is a theme that will happen over the next few episodes these are really kind of alan heavy episodes if you think about it. i don't which, think maybe later seasons oh i'm all about it alan is an underrated character i think but he goes up to to amy now his mom after he's like that thing you're wearing is really lovely and amy sees right through it alan and amy weren't born yesterday <laughs> they raised eric you know eric's a handful of years older so they know all the tricks um so amy sees right through it looks at how much it costs, way too much money. The great thing about this scene, and I, I, I probably jumped ahead a little bit because Corey then says, and this is a great back and forth between Corey and Eric, really established like right off the bat. They've got a really good chemistry on the show and their comedic timing. I think Eric's comedic timing or Will Friedel is just on point. Um, oh, yeah. 
Corey says to his mom, do all women have antennas hidden somewhere on their body? Because he knows, because his mom reads right through them. And it, About with that delivery too. That was a good. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Corey's it. acting wasn't quite on point at this point. Which yeah, is as on. good as my acting, but he's also 11. Um, <laughs> right. And Eric replies, just great timing. I don't know. None of them will let me look. <laughs> so it is a kid's show, but they throw some jokes in there for like when I watched that show, this was what, 1993? When I was mm. seven years old when I watched the show, I wasn't thinking about the context of that being funny. I wasn't yeah. thinking about that. Um, so, Corey, in order to sell this uh, water guy, which he didn't show the price yet, I jumped, I got a little excited. He goes through this whole lightning hitting the home doomsday scenario um his his mom's legs are broken and he's trying to convince her that she needs a water gun in order to get rid of the fire in the house which at every point morgan's asking questions like why why did lightning hit the house why did they need this why did that and Corey's obviously annoyed because morgan's kind of um water gun blocking him because he wants to get that water gun <laughs> and the last one that Morgan does, she says, why, why are mom's legs broken? And Corey turns around. This is pretty vicious. You talk about mom, hit, mob hit. He says, because she tripped over your dead body. And Morgan's face is just like, she has great reaction shots. She's really young. So the lines that she does, a kid is doing them, but she still hits them home. Her reactions though to stuff are just timeless, timeless. So now Corey finally has the, the catalog out, the Hydrosat 3000Z. He wants to get one of these for the water war to end all water wars. And um, it doesn't work. Once uh, once Amy sees the price, she was on board after the doomsday scenario, which I, my, I would have gotten an eye roll if I tried that myself, <laughs> but uh, maybe worse than that. She, uh, no, she didn't, she didn't, like waiver she's like sure let's let's go ahead let's get it he pulls out this like foldable catalog that's just for the hydro set once she sees it's 50 bucks not good no bueno i will say i did a little research the super soakers of the day because these are all super soakers they they removed the names they removed all that you know you have to get uh, copyrights and all that stuff they never said the name this was pretty comparable to the price back then for like a bigger super soaker gun probably between 30 and 50 bucks so this isn't too outlandish uh in the time period that we're in um and i don't remember i don't know if you remember as a kid everybody had a super soaker oh yeah i didn't have one but everybody else seemed to have a super soaker you didn't you didn't paint your neighbor's shutters apparently but no i didn't that's jumping ahead so there's two things from this scene i want to point out uh firstly is so this begins the story arc of all Alan does with his life is work. He works at work. He works at home. And apparently their beautiful home is just in constant disarray and falling apart. In fact, it I, looks I think, amazing. But oh, yeah, I think this is the scene where Alan walks in and just says, hi, honey, what's horrible? And, uh, <laughs> and she, she says, well, the kids, the kids bathrooms leaking or something like that. So at the four minute mark, Alan goes up to find this leak okay at the five minute and 24 second mark alan is back declaring that he has fixed the leak in the sink and their toilet no longer does that geyser thing so it took alan one minute and 24 seconds to fix a sink and a toilet i mean that is super dad right there i think uh, we're gonna find out that's the one thing that he does quick i think there are other And the, the second thing that I, I really enjoy in this scene, it's actually another thing that carries over through the through the whole story. So the story of this episode we'll, we'll get to, but a brief synopsis is basically it's Alan trying to get Corey to understand just be a kid, being a kid's great. Uh, so every time Alan sees a super soaker in this episode, he has the same reaction, which is cool. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> I love it. So he, when he sees the pamphlet, he's cool and then he said he finds out it's 50 dollars, and he says something about that's ah, a little steep maybe for christmas and uh cory's perhaps my light of the episode is cool i'll be the little kid spreading pneumonia <laughs> a super soaker in december you know what i mean so like uh, th- yeah that's that's the scene in the kitchen but good scene a good rebound from the from the first scene of the show. The first scene wasn't bad. D- d- quit harboring on the first scene of the show, okay? He does. There's a quick like mini end to the scene where Corey runs upstairs into the room, 
Eric is programming is he bought a new watch, pretty much telling Corey, hey, I earned this money. I, I was allowed to buy this because it's my money, except for you could buy anything except for the Buns of Steel video, uh, which right. is an exercise video at that time, which you fill in the, you know, use your imagination on what that was about. Um, the the room doesn't change too much. I feel like there's slightly less tchotchkes on the wall. Like there's not as much happening. There's still a lot happening in the room. There's still a lot of baseball themed uh, things that after season one will totally be abandoned, but at least in season one, baseball is a big, uh, a big theme of the show. But after that, yeah, they cut um, kind of right back downstairs. Before we cut away, this is another theme from episode one to two. Uh, apparently technology in 1993 was so much further advanced than I thought it was because <laughs> in episode one, we see that Corey has AirPods and then in episode they're corded, two, but uh, yeah, they're, they're corded. Yeah. They're Apple earbuds. Fine. And then in episode two, apparently Eric has a smartwatch. Uh, he's trying to program his girlfriend into the watch. Uh, it's stuck on video baseball mode. This is Eric not being able to figure out how the watch works, but I'm, I'm sitting there like, where was this technology? I mean, my dad wasn't a lucrative, uh, you know, market store manager. So maybe I just didn't have those means. I actually didn't have a dad period, but so, so maybe kids out in the world had, you know, AirPods and smartwatches in 1993. And I, I just didn't realize. I didn't even have a super soaker. So I, I definitely didn't. Uh, and, you know, beta, te- beta testing takes a long time. I think that's what that <laughs> So, so yeah. At this point, uh, Corey, Corey runs downstairs, and uh, we have now established that another appliance in the Matthews household is no longer working. They're not getting water pressure in the sink. So Alan, back at it. Another funny line where Corey runs downstairs, hey, Dad, you busy? And Alan's under the sink, and he says, no, I'm just relaxing with my wrench. And uh, this scene has quite a few lines that crack me up. So Corey's at this point, the, the last scene established something important for the next few seasons, I believe, which is that Eric works with his father at the supermarket. He's a box boy. So, so he's Corey then attempting to get Alan to hire him at the supermarket as well. Uh, this also establishes through this conversation, Alan's the manager there. Uh, Alan says, you know, you're too young. He says, oh, I'll work after school. He said, I don't have any positions. He's fire fire eric and then he says well why don't i just fire myself and you can be the manager so Corey's like well great what's it pay and uh i love this this sequence here because alan says not enough to keep me out from under the sink or the car or my mortgage and i'm sitting here like man i relate alan i relate and then Corey, uh perhaps my light of the episode Corey yells i just want to be able to afford stuff and as he storms out, Alan yells, so do I. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I love that line. We're appreciating the show now as kids and now as adults with kids. So yeah. we're starting to appreciate both ends of like the conversation. And now we're getting that kind of the, the funniness of Alan and thinking, yeah, okay. I've said something along those lines to a child in my home. But we're about to get to a, a monumental moment in the history of Boy Meets World. But before we do, we have to talk about Alan and Amy. All right, Alan and Amy, uh, this is a theme again that will recur a lot, except for some episodes where Alan kind of, you know, puts his foot in his mouth and messes something up. But they have a very close relationship. The the little back and forth before Corey jumps, jumps into the sink and tries to get him to, you know, to hire him as the manager, quit dad and I'll take your job. Um, he does something that I don't know, Andrew, if you and your wife do this. Um, my wife will joke in a certain way, but whenever Amy says to Alan, hey, the sink, there's no water pressure. He says, remember the, remember the apartment? Remember before the children, before we were married, before we knew each other? Remember how happy we were? And he's saying this all jokingly because he's doing a lion's share of the physical labor in the home, uh, making sure stuff is fixed. He gets underneath the sink. And Amy kicks him, but it's like in a in a kind of playful, playful kicking kind of mood. I'm just going to say, watch if you've never watched the show from this perspective. Just watch the kind of tension between Alan and Amy and not in a bad way. They, they, it feels like they genuinely, they're actors, but few couples on TV at the time seemed as, you know, 
connected as Alan and Amy. That's all I'm going to say. You're actually stealing a talking point I have from not only this episode, but the next episode. Um, <laughs> it could, it could I, repeat in many episodes. Something I noticed in both of these episodes. So in this episode, I, I wasn't going to talk about Alan and Amy. I was going to bring that up in the next episode. There are so many little things in this show that are underappreciated how good the acting in this show is. And one of them is little things they do when they're all together that I just, I, maybe maybe it's in other shows and maybe I just haven't watched them as many times as I've watched Boy Meets World. But there's little things like uh, when Alan gets down from uh, fixing everything in a minute and 24 seconds, he just walks up and as he's talking, he, he hugs Corey from behind and is just kind of swaying back and forth. And just this, such a genuine dad thing, you know what I mean? And, and these little moments of physical contact between the family where they don't feel like they're people acting like a family. They feel like a family. Like you're watching, you know, when I walk up and my, my kid's around, I give them a hug and, you know, I keep talking while I'm just hugging on my kid. And it's like that kind of stuff in this show is, I think, underappreciated how just like natural this family feels. And, and from what I was talking about in the next episode, I'll just jump into it real quick is there's just Don't a scene where Alan, no, you need content a, for the next episode. Little scene where Alan and Amy are hugging and uh, the looks that Amy keeps giving to him as he's talking to somebody else. It feels so real. Like you said, it's just really, really well done. The chemistry between the, the entire family. Kudos to the casting uh, department for that one. So, so yeah, anyway, so next, Corey, he's given up on mom and dad, giving him some money. So he goes outside to Mr. Feeney. And uh, Feeney is outside trimming up some flowers. Corey, Corey's in this kind of butter people up, ask questions you don't really care about things. So he, Feeney's explaining that he has been working on these plants for several seasons now. The Glutantia floribundas. Yes, exactly. That's what I was saying. And uh, Corey, I don't know if this is the monumental scene you were you were talking about, but this is the first time in this in the series that we see Feeney rattled because Corey says, hey, you know, if you if you want to pay me, I'll hack off the rest of that dead stuff for you. And, uh, Feeney's delivery is great when he says, uh, stay away from my roses <laughs> and like, all, all rattled. I love it. So Corey's trying this is to the first fence scene. That's the historic moment. This is the first fence. The pilot didn't have like it had Corey looking over the fence like a little creeper looking inside uh, Feeney's ki- dining room. But this is the first like fence moment where the fence becomes a whole kind of part of the show. And and you know it it's not the first lesson taught over the fence. That comes oh, no, in no, the no. next episode, but it is the first fence scene. So so Corey's coming up with these offers you know i'll trim the dead stuff off your plants i'll uh i'll shovel he has a funny you know it's autumn and winter's coming and feeney's like yeah it's usually how it works and uh cory <laughs> offers to shovel his driveway all all winter for 50 bucks and uh feeney has you know some big elaborate answer of why that hardly seems fair doing something so dependent on the weather and yeah feeney's great i love factors <laughs> yes so so what Feeney ends up saying is, you know, I do have these shutters in dire need of painting. And, uh, and uh, he, he says, so I'll pay you to paint my shutters. And Corey says, well, how much? And Feeney says, I can go as high as five. And Corey, $5, get a pulse. And <laughs> Feeney explains, no, it's five per shutter. That's, you know, five shutters or that's, that's uh, $5 times two shutters times eight windows. And Corey's like, wait, that's like 58 bucks. And uh, I love this scene because you see this look in Feeney where like the teacher in him wants to be like, no, but the swindler in him's like 58 bucks it is. You know what I mean? So you're worth every inch of that C plus I gave you in math. <laughs> every inch of that C plus I gave you in math. And the, uh, the other uh, small, small line, but it's going to become a segment on this show is uh, Feeney was saying he was, he was trying to basically uh, find some tranquility before having to go grade book reports about The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. And, and that's going to bring us to a segment I'm starting up called The Boy Meets World Book Club. And uh, I've, I've noticed there's lots of book references in this show, and we're starting up a Boy Meets World Book Club. So Thomas, we're going to start writing this down. We're going to start keeping track. Right now we're at Romeo and Juliet from episode one. Okay. And our second book 
in the Boy Meets World book club. I, I believe it's just a poem. I don't even think it's a whole book. It's, it's a longer Raven. poem. It's it's substantial. The Raven. So so we've got, we're up to two books in the Boy Meets World book club. But anyway, <laughs> we have the agreement. Corey is going to paint Mr. Feeney's shutters for $58. Corey has finally found someone he can swindle money from after trying Alan, Amy, and Eric. It's, um, it's looking pretty good for him. Everything's looking uh, pretty good for Corey. Now, Feeney, he gets, before we move into the next scene, he kind of um, messes up on some foreshadowing. Because Corey's like, Mr. Feeney, you won't regret it. And uh, Mr. Feeney, of, of course, replies, I expect I shall. But right, Mr. Feeney, Mr. Feeney doesn't have to regret it. But Corey's going to regret it. Because next scene, you have all the shutters painted up. And Corey has that paint gun. And he blows it off like it's you know a James Bond movie, like a pistol. He's like, Whew. And he's like, yeah, look at this. And the, the shutters aren't even sticking, which is something that many people say in this scene. I think Alan, George, and Corey all say the shutters don't stick when you open them. Um, they don't even stick or anything. Exactly. And he's now observing his work. Mr. Feeney's happy about it. Lifts up the shingle or gives lift up the, the shade. I forget what. Shutter. Shutter. Thank you. Oh, man. Welcome. I got you. Failed. That's what we're here for. I the home construction pieces. Ooh, hands it over to Feeney, and then you see what Amy uh, calls the zebra motif, where um, uh, now the entire white fence on on the on the side of the Matthews family is is white with green stripes, or is it green with white stripes? I'm not sure. But Corey calls himself out, and he pretty much says, you know, I'm an idiot. After Amy asks him. Well, what? Whenever you open the shutters in your room, does the sun come through? And he replies, "I'm an idiot." Which Alan and Amy come to his defense, say, "Oh, you're not an idiot. You're a kid." And Corey has a good line here, saying, "I'm a kid yet," which I'm I thought was, which is, which is pretty good. Which is pretty impressive. Um, this is where I wanted to call out the. Uh, oh no, there's a continuity error that's going to pop up. I'm going to mention well, a little got, late. It's not now because there's, there's a lot there's of There's a small scenes. one now too. There's a small, small one now where uh, when they remove the first shutter and, and they remove a couple shutters and you see these perfectly straight green lines and perfectly straight white lines. But when they zoom in on it to show you like the, the damage, the, there's just this paint running everywhere. The shutter looks horrid, but they zoom back out and it's again, just these perfectly straight lines. So Oh, a I didn't little, catch that little one. small continuity error, but uh, yeah. Feeney never complains that the paint likely went on his flowers because the, the fence was open. There were holes in the fence. There's a, a line going, a green line going across the fence. His flowers had to have paint on well, there. And not had to have paint that, on them. And but... Feeney never looks, never mentions it. This is the <laughs> one time where Feeney's like, okay, pay attention to the details, Feen. Well, and not only that, but it, uh, later in the episode, he complains about one drip of white paint on his side. You know, there had to be a lot of green paint, but actually they show it from Feeney's side and there's no green paint. So, you know, let's, we, <laughs> it's a kid's show, right? That's what I always tell my wife when she complains about this stuff in kids' movies. It's, it's a kid's show. So we can't, yeah. it's, you know, it is what it is. But yes, we, we find out that Corey, uh, the job wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to no, be in this. This wasn't. is uh, Corey's journey into adulthood. And, and, and come, he, he gets into a manager role, which is kind of foreshadowing from earlier where Alan was like, well, you can take my job as manager. Corey sees an opportunity. It's still the same scene, but they fast forward a little bit. Corey has purchased his gun. He has the gun. They reference it. You don't see it, but he's purchased his squirt gun. And now he's got seven bucks left. Right. After tax of his $58, um, which he again got hosed by 22 bucks, he, <laughs> he has $7 left. And then income, uh, nameless Ellis, nameless Sean, and named Minkus. Um, they show up to recruit Corey for the water war, where um, Ellis and Sean, or nameless Ellis and nameless Sean, walk up with, they're just wearing their normal clothes. And Minkus walks up wearing the whole stereotypical kind of yellow 
sailor rain get up where he's got the hat and he's got the big you know uh the big yellow poncho and all that good stuff which i don't know why they hang out with minkus or why minkus hangs out with them i, I know there are future episodes i i don't I really don't think in the future of this show that Minkus is part of their friend group, but in this episode, it he seems tries, like though. He, he, he tries though. He definitely tries in future. They're episodes. not receptive. No, no, they're not. And he kind of puts the kibosh on what Corey is trying to do because Corey is saying, Oh man, this is so great. Kind of making Ellis and Sean think, Oh, what am I missing out on? He's like, Oh, I'm not going to let you guys in on this. I'm, I'm going to keep this for myself where he's trying to get now Sean and Ellis to help him paint the fence. Because he wants to get to the water war. He can't do it while the fence is still zebra-striped with the zebra motif. Minkus, he would obviously be a great member of the TGI Feeney book club. Because he comes up and says, did any of you read the summer reading list? And Minkus is smarter than asking that question. Because he knows that they didn't read the summer reading list. He brings up Mark Twain and how in the book they also put the kibosh on um, trying to, or he, he tries to get them to do the work for him. So our third book now in the, in, in the, in the book club. So we had Romeo and Juliet, we had the Raven, and now we have Tom Sawyer as the yep. next, uh, next book in there. I'm writing it down. We'll have all these for you folks. I, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Corey offers them seven bucks to help them paint. Minkus, after trying to block it, Corey comes out and says, yes, I will pay you to do it, please. And he becomes a manager. Minkus is a shrewd negotiator because he also gets lunch out of it. It starts with seven bucks, which you're not going to be able to split that three ways very, you know, evenly. Um, So he gets lunch involved too. Excuse me. So we fast forward a little bit. They don't say how long the fast forward is, but now they want dessert. Looking at the progress of the fence, there's no real, I think maybe one area of the fence is painted. One area is actually fixed, but now they want dessert. So they've already had lunch apparently because of what Mink has negotiated. So Corey gets all the different chocolate bars after a pretty cute interaction between Eric and um, Eric and Morgan, where Eric's late for work and he's trying to get his apron tied. And Morgan's sitting on the table and she's sitting on the uh, island there, which will become a theme in the episode. And she's back there pretending like she's tying his apron. And Eric's like, hurry up, Morgan. We're, I'm going to be late. I'm already late. And then Morgan's like, I don't know how to tie this. <laughs> and Eric's like, then why'd you do it? And her line, I'm building all this up. Uh, this is another great Morgan line. She replies, because I'm self-confident. And she just owns every kind of scene she's in. But Corey Morgan, gets... is, Morgan is my star of this episode. Uh, okay. No, in the worst episode in show history, you still give it to Morgan. That's great. Nobody has better lines in this episode than Morgan. This is Morgan is fantastic in this episode. And, and what you're about to say actually is uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take it because it, it's a part that made me chuckle so very hard is uh, Corey's grabbing their, their dessert. It's ice cream bars and, and Morgan says, I want some ice cream. And he goes, oh, great. Another night, uh, another mouth to feed. And he, he gets her an ice cream it. bar and just shoves it in her mouth. And the look on her face, she just sits there with these wide eyes as Corey walks outside with an ice cream bar sticking out of her mouth. And it, it was probably the hardest laugh I had until the end of the episode, which is another Morgan pop for me. So, so that, that got me good. So they get outside. And this is, I made a note at this point. Um, there's an interaction coming up with Minkus that's pretty funny, but they're using hand paint brushes and they're painting the fence. Two things I thought of. First one, why don't you just have like a big piece of cardboard? I'm thinking back to the shutters. Again, overanalyzing a kid's show, but we also have a podcast about it. So what are you going to do? Um, I, uh, why didn't he have a piece of cardboard behind the shutter to do it? He's 11, whatever. But the second one should have been obvious. He had that paint gun that made it so quick and easy to paint those shutters. Why didn't he use the paint gun when he was trying to paint the fence? Uh, you know, where's the compressed air coming from for the paint gun? I don't have the answer to all these questions. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, so, so we're outside. <laughs> he has the chocolate bars. Um, they ask, what kind is it? And Corey says it's vanilla with chocolate on the outside, the same it's been for thousands of years. <laughs> and Minkus says, oh, I prefer to Heath Bar Crunch, to which Corey goes into the garden. He's frustrated. He's a frustrated leader. His workers are revolting against him. They have very specific demands. 
He puts it into the garden, gets some dirt. Minkus um, sees that he's not being appreciated. And the three of them are like, okay, Corey, peace out, Boy Scout. We're heading to the water war. Have fun painting the fence. Now, he, uh, Corey goes up to the fence. Mr. Feeney is now part of the conversation. Um, and at this point, he brings up the, the piece of green paint on his side of the fence. I think at one, cor- one cutscene, they had a little bit. You could see a little bit of green on his side of the fence. Not enough to warrant Feeney to get all Feeney-y on him and get kind of rude with him about it. But that was it for Corey. He finally hit the tipping point where literally he tipped over fell onto the ground and he's done. He's done. Now here's my continuity really quick. This is the one that I messed up earlier. I I hinted at, I was really excited to share it. Alan comes into the scene after work. He comes into the scene. He comes into the scene from behind Feeney's house. He doesn't come into the scene from behind the Matthews house. You can see it on the far left-hand side of the screen. And this isn't even widescreen aspect ratio. It's just the square. It's the full screen view. You can see him walk kind of like it's kind of got, he got a cue from the producer. He walked on to set, but he walked from behind Feeney's house, which really bugged me. I had to rewind and make sure I saw it correctly, but really bugged me. It was kind of lazy producing. Just come on, Alan. You're such a great guy on the show. Don't mess it up with something small like this. <laughs> you know, oh. and, and that actually the whole, the whole, uh, the, the entire layout of the Matthews house and the Feeney house. It's all so confusing. Uh, their backyard is just a, a very skinny patio that is right next to Feeney's backyard. And apparently they just have a fence right there between. It's a very weird layout for, for a couple of homes. And then we see through, through these open doors that they have in their living room in the background that they apparently have this massive yard off to the side as well, but we never see that yard. That yard is a, only ever seen from inside of the house yeah or they run past the door come in through that back door but that's even rare too when you see something like that but so anyway mr matthews is here has a great line uh alan matthews i guess i should say because mr matthews is reserved for Corey and eric by mr feeney but so alan walks up says what'd you do to my kid george (laughs) which i love (laughs) uh feeney goes on this tangent about his father worked him, you know, all day, all night. And, Puritanical upbringing of working all day. And look how I turned out. And Alan has a good line of, uh, I don't want you to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Feeney closes the door, Alan looks at Corey. It's like, you're done. You're finished. So he sees the super soaker. He picks it up. He says, oh, is this, is this it? And Corey's like, yeah, it's pretty sweet. And then Alan shoots it and cool. get that, that same cool, <laughs> that kid, that glee he has. And, you know, Corey, pity party Corey. I think Corey's hinting pretty hard at this point. You know, he, he then he goes on before that. He talks about, you know, uh, I painted all these shutters. I painted the fence. I put an entire coat on it. I had to borrow money from mom to get another coat because it was still showing up. I've done all this work and I'm, I'm negative X amount of dollars. So which Alan says, Welcome to being an adult, which mm-hmm. is, again, the, the appreciation you get from this wa- watching it as an adult, quite funny, <laughs> but uh, Corey gives this hint pretty hard of uh, when Alan's with that, with that water gun of, you know, too bad I'm going to miss the water war. Oh, yeah, I felt like he was hitting pretty hard. I felt like he was hitting pretty hard and Alan took the bait. He said, you know, not if you run. And Corey's like, well, isn't it my responsibility to paint the fence? And the, the message Alan had been trying to get him to understand is it's your responsibility to stay as 11 years old for as long as possible, which, I mean, <sighs> the way time dictates, he's only got 365 days to be 11 in, regardless of how much he cherishes it. But something actually, as, an, as a parent myself, I've tried to get my children to understand is, you know, I, I can't, I hear all the time, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. I can't wait till I get out of school. And it's like, I would do anything <laughs> anything <laughs> to go back to those days anything i'm i i get depressed sometimes thinking about it like i'm never gonna have that again just you know my friends and and just carefree worry-free life it's and and my daughter hit that age where she got a job and she got a car and she's realizing this sucks and i'm like this is what you've been wishing this is what you've been 
This is the not rest able to of wait. your life. Right. The so rest of I've tried life. to convey this message. I think I might make, uh, I have a toddler. I think I'm going to make him watch this episode on repeat. So he understands, just cherish this, cherish it. He's so going to grow up thinking, off. daddy keeps, keeps leaving me for that Boy Meets World podcast. <laughs> well, he's going to think I'm, I'm Superman. So Corey runs off, comes back. We, we don't see the water war. In fact, I think outside of the opening scene of this episode, the entire episode is uh, either, either the kitchen, bedroom, or, or backyard. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very condensed episode. So Corey returns from the water where he's soaked. Eric is laying on the bed. Corey brings his shirt out on Eric's face, which I thought was funny. And Eric says, yeah, I'd kill you, but I'm, I'm too worn out. Now, Eric is a teenage boy. And apparently this half shift he put in at the market just has decimated this, this man, this oh. almost man. So Eric's talking about, you know, Corey had a great time. Water war was great. And, uh, Eric's like, man, I, I just stocking shelves, chasing cards. Apparently, it took every ounce of energy this man had, and uh, he's like, I don't know how he does it. And Corey's like, Who? He's like, Dad, works all day at work, works all day here, doesn't twelve-hour days, stands yeah, up at lunch, yeah. doesn't sit down, stands, eats his lunch standing up, which is like, why? You can even as a manager, you can sit down. Come on, sit down. Lunch, but. Yeah, now you're just showing off, Alan. But <laughs> that's a good way to get varicose veins. You got to sit down every once in a while, man. You gotta. So you know, as we've seen, the house is constantly falling apart. So Alan's coming home and just repairing everything in the home, and uh, and Eric's just going on this list of everything he does, and and Corey realizes what we all want our kids to realize. Jumping back to that first scene, my dad's <sighs> Superman. And he looks out. He looks out and sees Alan finishing painting the fence. And even Which, then, I thought it was interesting. Alan wasn't sitting; he was crouched down, like his feet were on the ground. He was cr- <laughs> he he still wasn't even sitting there, which I thought was a good touch. I want to ask you a question, then. So I get the lesson of you know, be a kid as long as you can. The only the only thing I, I have a question about as a dad, you know, I get like, okay, you've learned your lesson, move on with your life, but. At the same time, like, couldn't you have let Corey go to the water war and just, you know, finish the fence later? Like, did it have to be done right that second? I, I thought the same thing. Um, I, I, I think that they could have given him a little. I mean, it's already dry. What are you gonna do about it? Like, what, what's the big <laughs> deal with looking at a zebra painted fence? I'm a, a natural procrastinator on stuff like that. I'm not an Alan Matthews. I'm no. like. And if Alan Matthews waited like a week after he saw that there was an issue and then it's like, okay, now I'll do it. I have to muster the courage or muster the energy to do it. <laughs> Might be courage. That probably. Yeah, let's be real. Me. You have to be reminded by your wife so many times that you have to just do it eventually. I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. She'll, uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. I can't give her any credit. <laughs> um, no, no, that's it. I, I probably would have given a little bit of time, but trope's gonna trope it's a it's a it's a it's a sitcom exactly. they have to get through this stuff and it makes for the interactions are fun we we this is a 90s sitcom it's single camera there's so many different like uh um things that we're gonna see repeated over time but that's not why we watch the show i, I probably would have given him some time yeah so we hit the home stretch of the episode and you know what i'm I, just going over this episode again you don't hate it anymore, do you? You I'm like it a little bit more, don't you? I, I think the first scene I hated so bad that it soured the entire episode for me. I hated that first scene. But getting into it more, it, it was a good episode. I, I retroactively go back and apologize for my saltiness right off the rip. But that first scene, it just bugged me to the core. I don't know why it did, but I hated it. But anyway, the rest of the... In fact, that's it's a good contrast to like my point, which is most of the dialogue in the show is just so natural and good but then when you have pretty much any conversation at this point in the show between just the kids it's pretty corny and bad it's it's weird so but that gets ironed out pretty quickly but 
So we, we I think it depends on who's stretch. talking too, because Corey and Sean, I think they always have, even in the pilot, they have a good back and forth. I think they right. always have a good, and not just because we know the the future of how well they play off one another, but I think that the reason why Sean never changes, they never recast him, is because like they have such good chemistry right off the bat. Right. So so we hit the home stretch where everybody's at at dinner now. The Matthews family all just sitting down for a meal together with their big old glasses of milk that apparently they all drink. And uh, Corey says, you know, I, I know you finished painting the fence to, for me today, dad. And Alan's like, it's all right, Corey. And Corey's like, no, it's not. You know, you go, to, you go to work and you work all day. You come home, you work here, you do my work. You're stealing all the work and I'm calling you out. And I, I, I enjoyed all that. And uh, so he, Alan's like, you know, what are you talking about? And he pulls out a water gun and, uh, he says uh, something along the lines of, I don't have as good a notes as I normally do, but something along the lines of, uh, you know, I know I, I'm fulfilling my responsibility being an 11 year old. And I'm, I know that, uh, I know that you're an adult now and you work now and all this, but I'm, I'm giving you a pass to come back, come back to being 11. And uh, Alan's like, you know, no super soakers in the kitchen. And Corey's like, I bet you wouldn't feel that way if you had one. Alan's like, what are you talking about? He's like, check under the table. So Alan reaches under the table and there's a super soaker there for him too. And he says, how'd you get this? And Corey said, well, I traded the 3000 for two 1500s. Now <laughs> this is, it's funny that we both had uh, super soaker continuity in mind and looked up prices. So the, the one Corey got, you know, you can justify $50 for that bad boy. These two piddly little squirt guns, you're going to tell me we're $25 a piece. Corey got robbed is what mm-hmm. happened. Corey you should have got, got like should have got like three one thousands. These are five dollar squirt guns at best. You know, someone owes Corey forty dollars. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, so Amy says, uh, you know, you take this re- reprieve of being a an eleven year old out into the backyard. Uh, another great Corey line. He said, "I bet you wouldn't feel that way if you had your own squirt gun." Check under the table, Amy. There's nothing here. And Corey's like, "What do you think? I'm made of money." And, <laughs> So anyway, long story short, Alan and Corey, they start squirting Amy and uh, Eric freaks out. He doesn't want them to get his hair. Don't get my hair. And Morgan yells, hit his hair in the background. It's faint, but it's the, yeah. Amy runs and grabs the, uh, the, the sprayer on the sink and starts spraying them. Just adorable fun where everybody's being a child again and having a great time. And then, the hardest laugh for me in the episode is the credit scene, which I, I will say we're two for two on really funny moments for credit scenes. The first one was uh, Feeney revealing that Corey didn't know what he was talking about uh, with his whole date situation. And this one is, um, so during all the chaos, Morgan got set on the counter or on the island again, and she couldn't get down. So she calls 911, which I love. And she says, you know, help me. I'm stuck on this. I'm stuck on this island and my family's all fighting in the backyard. And uh, a- another plot point from earlier comes up where you hear Mr. Feeney screaming about them spraying his flowers. And my florabundas. Yeah. And <laughs> so Morgan says, they just shot the neighbor, <laughs> which got me good. And then she, uh, <sighs> the police ask her a question. She says, oh, hold on. Mommy, what's our address? <laughs> and just, in the background, Feeney is hugging his plant. He's hugging his plant <laughs> in the background. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. I wonder <sighs> what did I, you know, I, I want to watch the scene back. What did Amy have during this water work? Because the, the kitchen sprayer couldn't reach that far. I got you, Andrew. Um, she just she uses the kitchen sprayer until they run outside. Then she grabs a, like a spray bottle, like to spray plants. So she grabs a spray bottle. It's kind of like a kind of just like a cleaning bottle, but it's for water. It's just a plain, you know, white bottle with water. And she goes out and hopefully it's water. Hopefully she's not like spraying bleach or anything. I mean, we know that the streets of Philly are hard. So I mean, who knows? She gets that Eric gets the hose, but he doesn't hold it down. He just like spritz. He doesn't hold, I would be holding it down on jet and I would be, I would be causing bruises if I was in that fight, but no, they all had their own uh, weapons. Although Alan, and I think at that point, Alan and Corey probably have the worst one. Cause once they're out of water, those small 1500s, 
they don't have much water, water left. Guns. Yeah, you but, got more water in that spray bottle. And Eric, for for as much as you'll make jokes over the next seven seasons about Eric not being the you know the sharpest knife in the drawer, he 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 picked the best weapon for this uh, water war. You know, before we get to our our wrap up and our thoughts on the episode as a whole, uh, you brought up a good point with Eric eventually growing to be dumb. We had our first dumb Eric moment in this episode, which which uh, we completely skipped over, where uh, Eric is giving Corey some sass, and Corey says, "Oh, big man, don't even know what time it is," commenting <laughs> on how Eric doesn't know how to work his watch. And Eric says, "I do, so it's twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and then the baseball first... starts playing." <laughs> Yeah. yeah that, that was another funny scene so you know we're gonna wrap it up give our overall thoughts on the episode i think something we should do in every episode though is give our uh what we call our lesson plan which is uh what mm. was feeney's lesson for this episode and episode one we know was about love but episode two i know it's only the first time i'm gonna do this segment the lesson plan but uh feeney not really the lesson bringer here it is no. it is all out in fact feeney saw uh, when when he picks up the the shutters and alan's like uh you know don't start printing those business cards yet feeney looks over the sly dog and sees the green streaks everywhere that goes look and starts playing with the shutters says doesn't even stick or anything just doesn't care at all <laughs> about the matthews drama so <sighs> alan teaches the lesson in this episode which is you know hey one day you're going to be you're going to be working morning to night. You're, that's, that's life. Stay a kid as long as possible. That's, that's my lesson from this episode for the lesson plan that I gathered. Feeney actually supports, well, he supports the lesson indirectly by sharing how much of a stickler he was for work and how much <laughs> he worked. Like that, his work ethic actually helped Alan want to give Corey less of a childhood work ethic. So yeah, Feeney was actually, um, he helped in the lesson still, even though it wasn't his lesson to give. He's always indirectly, he's connected somehow. Feeney's always connected somehow. Maybe that's what we'll do. You'll do a lesson plan. I'll find out how Feeney's connected in <laughs> like the me. 10 episodes where he's not the one giving the lesson. And you know, I, I know I'm bringing a lot of segments to the show now, but uh, I have one coming up. This is what we call a tease in the business, as you'd say. In the next episode, I'm, I'm bringing a new segment that I can't wait. I can't wait to get into. So stay tuned for that one. But overall thoughts on ep, uh, season one, episode two, On the Fence. I, I'm going to start by just saying I, I'm, in hindsight, not sure why I was so salty on this episode. As we broke it down, I realized I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I did. The first scene was um, really bad. But after that, Really good episode and a, and a unique one that uh, almost wholly based on just the Matthews family and that house. I, I thought it was good. episode. I thought the beginning scene was, was actually really good. It was much better than the pilot with the kind of forced dialogue with the, with the, you know, astronaut juice and whatever they were talking about back and forth between Corey and Mr. Feeney. I overall, I give it, um, I give it, Three and a half Feenies out of five. I'm giving it a three and a half Feenies. Oh, we're doing that? Why not? We didn't do it on episode one. Now I feel like our We didn't whole... do the lesson plan either. That's true. I'm going to retroactively go back. I'm giving the pilot. I'm giving the pilot three and a half Feenies. I'm giving this one. Uh, I'll give both of them three and a half Feenies. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. All right. So three and a half Feenies for these uh, first two episodes. No, I'm, I'm excited for, for the next one. Actually, the whole season, I'm... I was kind of like you. We talked about this, I think, in our trailer that's out there, if you haven't listened to it, where the show grew with us and we wanted to watch the later years and we thought the earlier years sucked. Like I did, I've watched these earlier years in the past year and a half, but it's kind of like when the kids go to bed, it's on at night. I'm looking at my phone slash watching the show. Now that I'm actually watching the show and paying attention to it, I, I really, I think, sold these episodes short. And even what we talked about earlier the this show just follows us now that we are in the spot where we're fathers and we have kids mm -hmm. the show is still following us in a way that now we can look at it from a whole different lens so it's it's kind of uh i find it's myself fun so far a lot more than i thought through the eyes of Corey's parents it, what you were saying now i will say this uh 
we are still in the the very early stages where they're very Matthew's family heavy. Before too long, we do start drifting into a lot more of the events at the school and the kids and establishing the kids. At this point, Sean doesn't even have a name. Yeah. So we do these these episodes. We have a lot of Alan and Amy and Feeney that tapers off a little bit. I mean, Feeney's always there, but we'll we'll get into it as we go. We're going to not have that so much of a force of, of Alan and Amy moving forward, but I, overall good episode. Like I said, I, I, I was a little sour on it. And in hindsight, just getting into the breakdown, I'm like, man, I was being a hater. I sold you on it. <sighs> I'll get well, thank, well, thanks everybody. We appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you, seeing you next week. Class dismissed. Thank you for listening to Thank God It's Feeney. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Search for TGI Feeney. Interact with us online using the hashtag TGI Feeney. We always appreciate you sharing TGI Feeney with your friends and family. Another way to support the show is giving us a review on your favorite podcast app of choice. Thank God It's Feeney is hosted and produced by Andrew Atkins and Thomas Costello. Thanks to Spinner Matthews for allowing us to use his song, Mr. Feeney. You can follow and subscribe to Spinner Matthews on YouTube. Mr. Feeney! Can you please come to the fence, Mr. Feeney? Can you please help me, my friend, Mr. Feeney? Feeney. Mr. Feeney!